This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. <laughs> we all desire to be more confident. But self-doubt and fear of failure often hamper our ability to build confidence. It is possible to unlock your true potential and build unwavering confidence by adopting a growth mindset. By embracing a growth mindset, you can develop greater confidence and lead a more fulfilling life. In order to unlock your true potential and overcome self-doubt, you must change your perspective on challenges, failures, and effort. Let a growth mindset propel you to success and personal growth as you watch your confidence soar. Cultivating a growth mindset is a continuous process that with dedication and self-compassion, you can nurture the seeds of confidence within yourself and to prosper in all aspects of your life. Valeria interviews Heidi Siegel-Kogan. She is a highly experienced leadership and career coach with a passion for guiding emotionally intelligent, highly sensitive, critical thinkers towards confidence and fulfillment in both their professional and personal lives. With over 25 years of leadership experience in various functions, Heidi combines her extensive background with an MBA from Boston University and certified coach training to provide her clients with a results-oriented approach to achieving their goals. Her clients often come to her feeling stuck, overwhelmed, or struggling with imposter syndrome and overthinking. Heidi works closely with them to break free from these barriers, fostering greater self-belief, recognizing their innate strengths, and discovering their authentic leadership voice. Whether her clients aim to advance within their current roles or seek new opportunities that align with their values and passions, Heidi's guidance and strategies help them find greater satisfaction and success. With a coaching certification from the Institute of Professional Excellence in Coaching, IPEC, an MBA from Boston University, and a BA in Business from Simmons University, Heidi possesses a diverse and robust skill set. Her dedication to empowering others has earned her certifications as an ACC Certified Coach from the ICF Coaching Federation and an Energy Leadership Index Master Practitioner. Heidi credits her success to her unwavering focus, drive, and perseverance. She eagerly anticipates connecting with like-minded professionals who are seeking to thrive in their careers and personal lives, leveraging her expertise to make a positive impact on their journeys. Meet Heidi at KogenCoaching.com. Here is the interview with Heidi Siegel-Kogan. In your own words, who is Heidi Siegel-Kogan? Thank you for asking. I'm 
you know, it's an interesting question. I ponder that all the time. And I'm somebody who loves to keep learning about who I am. I'm ever evolving and growing. I spent a lot of time earlier in my life not really knowing the answer to that question other than defining myself by my work. And so now I define myself much more broadly. So I I would say I'm a curious, empathetic, conscientious problem solver. I love spending time in nature and I love being active. I'm a highly sensitive person and I'm passionate about helping other highly sensitive, high achievers be able to break free from overthinking really and self-doubt so that they can find more confidence like we'll talk about today and ease in their careers and lives. And this is all from my own personal experience and what I've uh, what I've learned about myself. And so ever evolving, ever changing and ever growing. Uh, yes. And being open to all of that. That's beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah, and yes. curious. I guess my follow-up question is success. How do you define success these days, Heidi? And that's interesting too. As I mentioned, you know, my early years, I, I worked in the corporate world. And so success for me was defined very specifically. Um, and for me, it was also really defined by financial success. So it was, you know, my financial success was really the equation that equaled my self-worth. And now it's really about having courage to do what you want to do mm-hmm. versus listening to the expectations of other people. So mm-hmm. not living by the shoulds that I lived by my whole life. So for me, it's also living with more ease, having more inner peace, having my central nervous system be regulated um, and really fulfilling my purpose of helping other highly sensitive people go from like, a surviving to thriving state. And so it's it's less now, of course, you know, and need financial success to be able to survive, right? But it's my life is not directed by that anymore. It's more directed by my my own purpose and and helping other people thrive. I love that. That's a much more open kind of definition. I mean, more meaningful too, I have yeah. to say, of for sure. What success is. You mentioned many times, and of course, I've read about you and the concept of being a highly sensitive person or the idea that you have uncovered that for yourself. So how did you uncover that? And is that something that anyone can actually apply as a rule when trying to find out if we are highly sensitive or not? Absolutely. And I it was later in life for me. I was actually... I was in my mid 40s. So I always knew that I felt a little bit um a little bit different. I worked in a very corporate environment and my traits were much more um caring about people and having emotional intelligence and being um being very in tune to what was happening around me. And I remember somebody mentioned to me that they thought I might be highly sensitive and and at first I really I didn't, I I reacted almost negatively to that term. Um, And so for me, it was um, something I started to do some research on. And even, you know, for a little while, again, I was a bit resistant because those traits were not necessarily considered uh, high value where I was working. And so the more and more that I learned about it, the more I learned that it really is, it's not necessarily what uh, someone who thinks sensitive is in the traditional way we think about sensitivity. It's really about 
uh, reactivity to energy, to stimuli, to people, to environments, to emotions, even intuition. And so, you know, for people that are really naturally observant, that are empathetic, that are intuitive or creative, you may be highly sensitive or have some of these highly sensitive um, person traits. And, you know, there are tons of resources out there. In fact, so uh, Dr. Elaine Aaron was someone who coined the term. Um, and there's resources out there where you can go to websites and take quizzes just to learn a little bit more whether this, re- if it resonates with you. Um, it's something that, again, it took me a little while to really embrace the gifts that come along with sensitivity, but because I think the term is can be viewed negatively. Um, you know, I think a lot of times in, in business, sensitivity can be viewed as a weakness. But what I learned as a leader, once I was able to really um, embrace my sensitivity, is that I actually became such a powerful leader in being able to really tap in to those strengths and understand the people that worked with me and for me, and to really be able to understand what was needed from people around me. And so there are many resources out there, and I'm happy to share more about how if you feel like, you know, you are somebody that may be reactive to stimuli around you, it could be there's many different questions to ask around whether you're even, you know, uh, more sensitive to sounds or to, you know, noise or lights or smells, all the way to, you know, being able to pick up on subtle cues in the environment um, and being able to really, I, I so deeply appreciate beauty. And there's so many, again, qualities that um, can make a highly sensitive person really um, very gifted in the work that they do. Mm, yes. Interviewed, I believe, lots of people on, on the topic. And it has been interesting to kind of understand what that is, kind of from my own experience too. It kind of relates to the way I felt as well around people Mm -hmm. and everything I did. So I wonder if that somehow overlaps with the the concepts of spirituality, which to me has to do with interconnectedness, that everything is connected. Although we share this fundamental ground, it's one reality that holds all this together, although it looks very different. That's one. And then also caring from that realization of interconnectedness of everything. And then comes this feeling of caring for the others and from everything else around us, being more sensitive to what's happening. I don't know. That's how conceptualize the idea within my own experience. Does it resonate with you somehow? It does. And it makes so much sense. And what I've learned over time, too, is that highly sensitive people tend to be, uh, when they do because they are really looking to connect more broadly and tend to be people that resonate with something larger that's out there. Um, Something more meaningful, whether it's, you know, connecting with others as one or nature, that it is uh, highly sensitive people can be much more receptive Mm, and, and able to grow and learn in that way. And in fact, once they find that spirituality, it can really help to um, sometimes combat some of the challenges that may come along with high sensitivity because you can get overstimulated or overwhelmed and the more the spirituality can be embraced, the more 
I would say, again, those gifts can show. So I see a, a, a huge benefit for those of us that are highly sensitive to really be able to, to dig into their own spirituality and really be able to connect, you know, connect, as you say, with the, the broader um, one. Yes, yes, yeah, that has been, that's what spirituality basically is to me as an idea, as a concept. It's really when it becomes something that can be realized uh, through the, the personal self, but it resonates as universal. There's something mm-hmm. about it that we do things at, at, at the personal level, but there is a, this resonance, you know, it benefits others, it benefits okay. the world somehow. So, yeah, that's that to me, Heidi, that's what spirituality is. I know it sounds very simple, but it's not. Mm. <laughs> well said than done, right? Mm-hmm, for to, sure. To behave in, at this level, especially in our personal relationships. That's not as easy. From my experience, has been an interesting challenge. So another open question that I have for you or topic is the uh, imposter syndrome. I did hear about this before. I did interview people on on the topic and I have an idea, but I want to hear your perspective on what that is and what was your experience like. Sure. And I I can tell you that I I lived with imposter syndrome for many, many years. And in fact, my my story and the reason I switched and changed my whole life and career was because I, I, I would call it suffering from imposter syndrome for most of my uh, corporate life. And this was really the sense of, and it it stems truly from this fear of failing and feel, uh, you know, it's really from a, you know, self-worth place. And that um, really this idea that at any given moment, someone is going to uh, recognize that that you're a fraud that what you've been selling or what you're doing um, is not as good as you've, if you've been uh, portraying. And so for me, my experience was, you know, I was lucky enough to actually, because it, it really generally, quote unquote, afflicts yeah. <laughs> high achieving individuals. Yes. And the more and more that people achieve, the more they start doubting those capabilities. So I would say, you could be someone that has confidence and takes action that I always went after, you know, the, the next level. And then as soon as I was in a place of um, being uncomfortable, I was convinced that my manager or that others around me would recognize that I had pulled the wool over their eyes <laughs> yes. or that I was absolutely not suitable or capable of doing the job. And so for me, it was a a constant battle throughout my career. And I was able to learn a number of tools and actually work with folks now with those tools, because so many of the people that I do work with now suffer from the same thing. And so it's really being able to truly embody and believe that you you sort of internalize the success that you've had because you may have tons of success. I was getting promotions and recognitions and I still didn't believe that I was good enough. And so finding ways to embody that so that you can truly believe that what you're doing is enough. Yeah, now I love that. And what is the cause of this imposter syndrome? Have you found out? I would say at the core of it is really about self-worth 
and, and lack and really truly believing that you are enough, that what you're doing is enough. Um, because for me, it actually sometimes went beyond just being in a new opportunity. I sometimes face imposter syndrome even after being in a role for many years that I might be sitting in a room with people that were different and I would question myself. And so for me, it was doing some deep work on, on my own self-worth so that I could truly start believing that what I was doing was enough. Yes. Yeah. That's such an interesting idea again, because I do see all these things is uh, ideas, especially when you say believe, they, they come and go and I know they can mm -hmm. be replaced. They are not fixed. So I see all these ideas. Mm -hmm. So the idea of confidence and the imposter syndrome and then self-worth. And, and it's an interesting one, self-worth. It has been my case too. I wonder why, and now it makes me think about the human experience as um, fundamentally that it's so vulnerable. We are, we are just all of a sudden here and we don't know mm -hmm. why we're here. A lot of us, it has been my case, mm -hmm. <laughs> asking these deep questions when I was very young. And I guess that created a lot of the sense of not knowing, wanting to know, mm -hmm. and feeling like helpless a lot of times. So have you found a way of, of stabilizing that understanding, that truth, that, that you are here to, to be true to yourself and, mm -hmm. and to be free to do whatever you want to do, how you choose to do? Yeah. So for me, I mean, I would say, especially early in my life, I am somebody that my initial reaction to many things is fear. Um, I'm, uh, you know, afraid I can't do something or won't be good enough, or whatever it may be. And so, what I've learned through my own journey is that, you know, fear, dealing with fear, sort of healing this, is one of my main purposes in life. And I'm given all of these spiritual opportunities to deal mm -hmm. with the fear. Yes. So every time these come up, it's a new test for me to be able to practice my techniques, the things I've learned to help me um, continue to grow, to continue to transform so that I each time have some new learning as I take it into every new fear. So for me, it is, you know, it's this journey that I'm now here to help heal this part of me that is afraid and so, you know, it, it may not be for, you know, some other purpose than that. I don't know. But it is each time I encounter something like that, I can use it as an opportunity to continue to learn and grow. And that actually is, you know, gets a little bit into the topic around growth mindset, which is something that was newer for me as well, that it is this idea that, you know, what is the fear and why, you know, how, how do I continue to embrace opportunities for myself, knowing that there will be fear there and how that might impact, you know, my energy, my psychology, my biology, all of the things. How do I continue to heal along that path? Mm, yes. Uh, beautifully said, Heidi. Yes. And that's something that I can't separate healing from spirituality to me. One leads to the other. There's just a deep connection between those two. I mean, speaking of connections, do you connect the idea of confidence to courage? Are they interconnected? 100%. I would say, um, you know, you, you build confidence by little baby steps of courage. 
um, and that, uh, you know, really courage isn't, you know, I've heard the quote, right, courage isn't the absence of fear, it's having that fear and doing it anyway. And the more that you can take those little steps to help you um, build that confidence in yourself that you you can handle it, right? That whatever it is that scares you, if you take the step towards it, you can actually handle it. And that helps you build the confidence. So people aren't born with confidence, even though it looks like that. No, yes. That the more you can no. take those things those steps to scare you know that scare you and 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 not fall apart, right? Yes. Um, yes. The more that we build those those blocks of confidence. Mm. I love the way you said that. Yeah, the baby steps of courage, confidence is built by kind of walking with courage, even if it is taking small steps. That's mm-hmm. uh, that's a powerful message that I need to hear. <laughs> And I'm sure lots of people around there. And also self-trust, my right, Heidi, mm-hmm. you just mentioned. I think that's what you alert to, the piece of self-reliance. Yes. Trust in yourself that yeah. you can do it. Yeah, it really comes down to that we can handle it and that you can continue to build, the, again, those. it really is so critical. The point that you re- reemphasize is about the little steps. The, the big ones are, you know, sometimes those are harder to even fathom the little steps and and just continuing to build consistency is where you build the self-trust. That's such a a wonderful journey to be open to, right? Because we never know what could happen. Mm -hmm. And from my experience, just the unimaginable happens when I I kind of have that courage to go little by little and do whatever Mm -hmm. needs to be done towards what I need to achieve. Mm -hmm. That's amazing how something even greater than I ever had ever imagined it happens yeah isn't that amazing how that works <laughs> yes yes i mean what's not to love about that so mm-hmm. it is very much worth it though not just um being open to it but also being humble enough to ask for help because mm-hmm. i had coaches i had to have them around me like guidance mm-hmm. like yours that's it's crucial to me and that takes being humble doesn't it Haiti? yes for sure Another question, initial question is about the idea of purpose. Do you feel that what you you do today, being a leadership and career coach, does it feel like a purpose? And and how do we know when we are living that purpose? What are the yeah, the characteristics, the qualities? Yeah, I guess that's one of those, right? The huge questions yeah. that I know we get all the time, right? How yeah. do I know? How do I find yeah. my purpose? <laughs> yes. How do I live my purpose? And I'm not sure yeah. that there's just one. What I can tell you is I I have spent time learning what's most important to me, understanding my values, and and crafting an experience that will help me live into those. And so for me, I know I want to be in service of others. I've always been that way. And, you know, for me, the, the purpose really connected me with helping other highly sensitive people because I know how much I could have used that support when I was in the, in the corporate world. And so for me, there's such deep meaning in how I can give back and really connect with others in a way that could help them thrive. And so... I, I don't know this is the only thing that would be my purpose, but it feels for now in my journey, the right place for me. And I'm incredibly passionate about it. Um, and the 
you know, the joy that I feel when I get to do this is just unmatched to anything I've done before. Mm, yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> I get yeah. that. The energetic resonance from mm -hmm. that. It's beautiful. So you did, that was a question about happiness and joy. So you already answered my question. So it relates to what makes you happy these days, right? Doing what you do. Or do you, do you define happiness in a different way, uh, from a different source? Um, you know, I would say just in addition to that, you know, some of that is the journey that helped me get there. And some of that would also be, as I mentioned, when I defined myself, it is, you know, letting go of what we're not, um, not believing some of the thoughts that we um, believed as truths. And, you know, that knowing that we can manage our own energy. And I actually heard... I heard someone talk about it in such an interesting way. She, she mentioned, you know, building happiness or getting, you know, really starting with, you know, you have to weed. So weed, seed, and feed, right? I'm sure heard this, but really pulling out those weeds so that you can have a thriving garden or thriving mind. <laughs> seed, plant those new seeds. What is it that you do want from your life? You know, what are the gifts that you want to bring forward And then how do you continue to feed that? How do you maintain that on a day-to-day -day basis and bring those seeds into fruition? And so it's not just about, you know, happiness is an ongoing uh, game, not game, but ongoing work, right? And so it's, it's continuing to ensure that, you know, I'm letting go of what's not serving me and I'm continuing to plant those new seeds and continuing to do the practices that help me um, be the best that I can be. Right. Yes. I love that. I love the, the whole process, the picture, the just visualized what you mentioned. And to me, the, the weeds, right? Removing them, that is the work of healing. That would be the application of them, just healing mm -hmm. ourselves. For some reason, I actually, I'll, perhaps I'll change that question about happiness because I love the idea. For me, has been inner peace. That's what I I really value most. Not happiness or even joy. I know joy is a more, let's say, spontaneous thing. It's not connected to anything. It just arises from that sense of inner peace. I guess. Mm -hmm. So inner peace might come first for me. And yeah, I should change that question at some point. Already, <laughs> you just inspired me. Well, and ha happiness for some, and I, I can tell you for myself too, I'd say as a highly sensitive person, what happens is that your central nervous system, um, you, you can be in fight or flight mode quite a bit where you're feeling unregulated. And so the idea of inner peace is just the ultimate <laughs> feeling. And I've always craved that as well, because um, so for me, that is, that's also a happiness that I can just be at ease Yes, right. And that means, for me, has been being at ease, at peace with, with anything. Mm -hmm. And of course, we are put to test, right, every mm -hmm. day in the challenges. And I'm sure I have not, I don't know what's going to happen next, who knows. But I have heard about physical pain, that that's a tough one to mm. cultivate inner peace when you're mm -hmm. really in, in deep pain. But I don't know, that would be an interesting challenge to have. Ah, I've been practicing already <laughs> before death, before all that. So, mm. 
So let's see, let's get to the topic of growth mindset and confidence. So I have the first question, I guess, for you is about the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. Yeah, and that's a great place to start with this. And and this was something that was life-changing for me when I, I personally learned about it. And and so to share a little bit more about the difference. So this, the toy, the the terms were coined by psychologist Carol Dweck. And so fixed mindset is when people believe that their qualities and their abilities are fixed, that that they can't change, you can't grow, you're set where you are. And you know, the unfortunate piece about this is that it can lead people to be, you know, to behave or act in certain ways that really it's about protecting your self-esteem and your identity. Because it really, as I mentioned before, it's a, it's about self-worth. And so a person with a fixed mindset may actually avoid challenges um, because they don't want to fear, you know, that may not be perfect at something or they may fear failing something. They may get defensive or angry when they feel people are criticizing them. They may get jealous or intimidated by others that have success. So, you know, those, they're not conducive to feeling good, <laughs> to feeling yeah. inner peace, right? As we yes. said, oh, yeah. they're really protecting someone's self-worth. And so the opposite of that is really this idea of a growth mindset. And when you embrace this growth mindset, you see these challenges as opportunities for learning that setbacks are the stepping stones to help you get to the next level of whatever that is for you. And that putting in the effort or doing the work creates that path towards mastery. And so it really is an approach to life that really revolves around curiosity and resilience rather than fearing failure. Because what happens, as I mentioned before, being able to take those little steps even though you may be afraid that you're going to fail, will help you build those those bricks of confidence. That is a really beautiful message. It's a very practical suggestion too, because it's easier to do yeah. little by little. Um, so curiosity, resilience. One thing that caught my attention was the failure piece, learning from failures. So seeing failures as challenges, as lessons per se. For most people that... It's true, it's not easy to do. I noticed within myself that it seems like a practice for life, some of these things, right, Heidi? It, it, it doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> not only does it not happen overnight, even when you teach this to others, it's still something that you need to continue to practice with each new challenge. And so, so one of the things that I try to do now is I create an experiment out of something new that I'm doing (laughs) so that it becomes less about failing and really about really uh, digging into what I want to learn from the experience. So how do I set myself up that even if something doesn't go exactly as I want it maybe to go, you know, what is the, you know, goal A or, you know, success A, B and C for myself? And then what, what am I learning? What skills may have developed? How do I then set a process for myself to review what I did, where I can both identify what maybe didn't go the way I'd planned and what actually 
went well and, and really celebrate that and then consider how I might refine my approach going forward. So it becomes very methodical that I have to, you know, not, I believe me, I was not very good at this before I really created a sign, you know, put this around it. And I still, there's times, of course, when something doesn't go as planned, it can hurt. It doesn't always feel good, but if I look at it through the lens of, you know, what did work, what did I learn? And what might I want to do differently going forward? It it takes some of the sting away from me, at least. Yes, it sounds like it. So you mentioned making it less emotional and more logical, practical. Yes. That helps. It really does. Yeah, listening to you, I was just imagining <laughs> going through the process, yeah, thinking differently. So... You know, we love the idea, we value, I think many societies, especially in the United States, the idea of learning, but also we have to be open to unlearning, don't we? It might be as important, right, Heidi? Unlearning. Absolutely. I I would say, you know, again, the unlearning, especially with a growth or fixed mindset is the idea that, you know, if you think you can't do something, you won't be able to do it. And so you have to be able to unlearn some of the beliefs, like you said earlier, right? Beliefs are can be ever-changing. They And so how to re, rewire ourselves in a way that we can, you know, unlearn something and, and reprogram with mm. some new beliefs. Yes. Yeah. That has been a big one for me. Yeah. The, a, a huge practice of unlearning. Not an yeah. easy one, I have to no. say. <laughs> but it's a <laughs> no. fun one, isn't it? It has it's been fun, though, to just see how it, it is possible to change the way we think. It's possible and you can see progress, but yet it is a lifelong practice. Yes. And I think true. recognizing that that isn't a state that you may get to. Um, in some things, you may be, be able to unlearn and completely start a new path. and others, you may have hiccups along the way and have to you know, continue to practice. Mm, yeah, depending how well we have learned, right? Whatever yes. that was. Ah, especially my case is traumatic learning, I think they call it mm. in psychology. So that's a tough one to really yes. unlearn. So another, let's say, topic here that caught my attention under the uh, developing a growth mindset can positive, positively impact your confidence in several ways. So this I found in the um, article you sent to me that you have written. And then it caught my attention, the openness to feedback. Ah, just openness in general to me. But yeah, talk to me about that. Yes. One of the things that, you know, when I talk to clients um, of mine, you know, sometimes we, you know, we're working in a corporate environment and, and we're working on leadership skills and they may receive feedback from leaders or peers. And it can be really tough. When you hear, you may hear, you know, 10 pieces of feedback and nine are good. And one may be an opportunity for you to develop in a yes. new way. And without fail, we tend to focus just on that one piece <laughs> of feedback that isn't as positive and we can let it derail us. And so it's really being open to even hearing it and recognizing whether it is something that we can and want to do something with. And if not, how we can 
um, let that go. So this gets a little bit at resilience, but it also gets the openness, as you said, that there might be some merit in what that feedback is and what what can and do you want to do with that. But it is really, it can be tricky to shift that, right? Because we, we were uh, inclined to focus, right? Our negativity bias is to focus on those things that aren't uh, aren't going well because it's fire alarm. We need to fix something or like something's yes. wrong or, or, you know, again, mm-hmm. it may knock at our, our shame, you know, self-worth mm-hmm. comes into play if we start hearing some of these. And so how can we be a little bit more open to hearing what that is? And then processing again, it's some of this is, as we talked about earlier, it's how can you try and it's not easy, but to separate some of the emotion from the feedback so that you can look at it a little bit more um, holistically. Yeah, uh, in a more objective way. In Definitely. Way. Yes. Um, wow, this, I have a question for you about this because it has been an interesting experience for me listening. Knowing what I want to do, what I want to do, having the courage to, to take those steps and, and do it, and then getting the feedback from some people that that I should do it differently. So mm. how do we go about the source of the feedback? How, mm. how far can we trust that? Well, you know, the first thing I would say is, you know, it wouldn't take feedback from someone that isn't someone you do trust. Um, there's lots of people that are willing to give you feedback that may not be coming from a great place. And so it's really first understanding who and where that feedback's coming from and what the intention may be. Um, and, and really being able to weigh, you know, is this something that is a common theme that you're hearing or is it one person's feedback and, and what might you want to do with that? And then listening to your own intuition and your own gut about what still feels right for you, because we're always going to have people that think they have your best interest at heart. Um, And they may from the knowledge that they have, but it may not be the path that's right for you. And so it really is deciphering again, who is the feedback from? What is the feedback? And is it um, consistent among a number of people? You know, if you're hearing something is overly offensive and you're hearing that repeatedly, then you may want to evaluate. But if you hear, you know, they, they, someone doesn't personally like how, how much you talk about X, Y, Z, you know, if, if that's something that you're passionate about, you have to really listen to yourself and your gut and be able to say, well, this is, this is my purpose. And this is where I feel like I need to continue to move along this path. Mm, Yes. This is very helpful. Uh, You're very clear. So I went ahead the question here about listening to the same feedback consistently. That was mm-hmm. really my cue. That was my, that's what I, I look for, really. Mm-hmm. I guess sometimes I, you can't get to the point of trusting one person that much that you just listen to them. It feels mm. right. But I, I love the uh, the piece of just consistency. That that says something. It really does. Um, another question. Yeah. Another point that you made was about comparing with yourself. That was interesting. Mm-hmm. I never heard it that way. Yeah. And this was an interesting lesson that I learned. And and um, I, I got some of this from a book called Gap and Gain, The Gap and the Gain. And 
really this has to do with, you know, we, it's so easy for us and, and especially in a world with so much social media and so much, um, you know, access to be able to see what other people are doing, that it's very easy to either compare yourself to where you think you should be or to some other ideal. And so the more that we can actually compare ourselves to where we have been and our past progress. So even looking back at where we were a year ago and where we are now and being able to measure ourselves against ourselves, again, talk about building confidence, you're able to then see what you've achieved. And so when I work with clients, one of the things that we do is we, we create a couple of things. One is around a folder of awesome um, and that may be putting in pieces of feedback we may have received from others that are positive or, or you know, emails or testimonials or whatever it may be, or for ourselves, in addition, is creating thing, you know, a, a journal of what went well so that you're able to look back on whatever it is, small, large, you know, what did you accomplish for the day that makes you feel like you've had a win and being able to look back over time to see then in writing what, um, what you've achieved. And that can actually, I mean, it really talk about how, again, helps build self-trust that if you say, I say, I'm going to go for a walk today and I did it and I didn't feel like doing it. But mm-hmm, I, yeah. I took the action and I, I now believe that I, you know, I start building that trust in myself. I'm measuring against myself versus measuring against somebody that maybe has been doing the business I'm doing for 10 years longer than I have, or someone that does it a different way, um, or someone that has a goal that I don't have. Somebody has a goal of having a million followers and that's not what I want. It's not the right thing for me to measure myself against. Wow. I mean, I love everything you said. (laughs) That makes so much sense. So it's very practical, very logical, but also resonates with the heart. And that's interesting listening to you. Mm. I love your clarity. Yes, it really resonates with me. I love the word you said earlier because it relates to this in a way, the courage to be true to you. You didn't say it that way, but I think you said the courage to not doing what other people expect from you. Mm-hmm. And then I just kind of simplified I'm being true to you, mm-hmm. have that courage. <laughs> sure. So that to me, it's the most relates to that idea. And then the, the wisdom of that knowledge, once we get to know ourselves better, self-knowledge and then self-trust and then kind of applying that. I mean, the application of knowledge to me, it's called wisdom. That's mm-hmm. how I define it. So that makes a lot, a lot of sense. You mentioned also in the article, you mentioned learn to celebrate failures. So in, in this case, would be learning to celebrate our unfolding, the, the growth or the steps that we have had the courage to take, right, Heidi? In a way. Mm-hmm. For sure. It is. It's, it's celebrating that you're doing the hard things. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, I love the way you said that too, the hard things. And sometimes the hard things... For us, because we are the ones who, who know ourselves, so we know how hard it is uh, to do certain things. That's, that might look very simple and easy for other people to do. Mm-hmm. I noticed that. For me, certain things like not having this conversation, I used to be very timid, very quiet, but because it has to do with meaningful things, so it kind of, yeah, everything goes away. All the shyness <laughs> just mm. disappears. 
But for some people, it's really easy to talk about anything, like have even small conversations with other mm-hmm. people. I can do that. It mm. really looks easy to them. But for me, would I'll be sweaty if I <laughs> would have to have a small conversation. You know, how's your hair or the weather? Mm-hmm. I mean, I would be at a place completely out of. <laughs> uh, isn't it funny? That's easy for most no, people. No, it's guess. very, it's very true. And I, I only laugh because that's that's a very common trait for introverts or highly sensitive people. Yeah. And and we have to again, that's back to comparing yourself with yourself uh, and, and what success is for you because we're all so different. Yes. Tapping into that wisdom as well, right? This realization that everything, everyone is different. So another thing that caught my attention. So you mentioned about trying to visualize some real and artificial dilemmas. So that that's interesting too. So using visualization in the sense of imagination, Heidi, or it's a different idea. It is. I think it's a little bit more concrete. Clearly, I, I feel like there's been a little bit of a theme with me around being logical, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, and my yeah. approach to things is very logical, and so um, it's really practicing situations back to the concept of the fixed and the growth mindset. And so, when you practice something, if you're used to being in a fixed mindset and you want to practice being in a growth mindset, what might that look like? And so an example may be you don't get a job offer from a company you'd hoped that you got a job offer for. And the the fixed mindset might tell you that you were fooling yourself, right? You're never going to get the job. You didn't have the skills, right? How many times can we tell ourselves these inner critic messages that come up um, that we couldn't do it, that we were failures, whatever it may be, but using a growth mindset and going a little bit further, you think about your goal, what you're trying to achieve. And so maybe you didn't get the job and it maybe felt like it was the perfect job for you, but what you get, you you practice being able to say, but maybe there'll actually be an even better job for me. And I didn't get this job because I need to be open for the next job that's going to come along. And then maybe you say, well, what, 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 what did I learn from the interview that I might want to do differently in the future? So again, back to this experiment that I talked about before, what can you learn? You know, what did you take away? Maybe you realized that you probably, maybe you could be a little bit clearer in how you described, you know, telling someone about yourself. And so, you know, what you do is really go through it, you know, using the principles of a growth mindset, how this is an opportunity and what you can learn for something that didn't work out. And so, you know, these challenges then become exciting rather than threatening, mm, right? As, yeah. as Carol Dweck would say it then, you know, rather than thinking, oh, I'm going to reveal my weaknesses, you say, wow, this is a chance to grow. So mm. always going in with the mindset of growth and curiosity and opportunity versus, you know, the the flip side of that was, that usually those harsh inner critic messages that we have for ourselves. That's um, an interesting work that has to be done, replacing our self-talk. And even if uh, with more positive ones, it even if if it doesn't sound, I'm just, I guess I'm, I'm kind of careful around trying to replace self-talk with something that doesn't feel true to me. Sure. Just in order to feel better. <laughs> so I, I try not to do that. Would that be okay, actually, Heidi, to just kind of replace it anyway, since we are in a way imagining anything? 
everything without self-talk anyway. Everything is imagination. Yeah. I, I mean, I would say you don't want it to be so far from the truth that that you would say, you know, if you would normally think, you know, I I couldn't do that. And automatically you think, well, I was the best person <laughs> yes. for this job and, and they were wrong. <laughs> you know, like there uh, has yes. to be something that's believable <laughs> that yes. that you can get on board <laughs> with so that you can... You yeah. can see that maybe there's there's some opportunity in this versus that this is that you're a failure, right? Mm, and that yeah. um, you know, so there's there's a happy medium there, and and that's the same. You know, as people talk about affirmations, it's hard to say. Yes. You know, you you really want to be able to believe some of what you're saying so that you can actually embody those thoughts and visualize. Right? Visualization is so that you can actually feel it and believe it. So as you move into your next opportunity that you might be able to go in with a a different approach or a different uh, mindset. Mm, yes. Yeah. This is very helpful. Yes. <laughs> because I think I was kind of thinking exactly what you mentioned as an example of, I think that comes more from, I mean, I don't really like mentioning saying this way, but I guess I have to, narcissistic personality traits where they are always kind of deluding themselves and mm-hmm. saying, I'm great, I'm the best, even though you know, they are getting the opposite feedback. Mm-hmm. And they are not able to listen or be aware of their own behavior or kind of uh, mental content. And, and it, it's in the, the patterns of that. Yeah, maybe that's why affirmations, I kind of stay away from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it doesn't feel true. But I like the idea of feeling true enough, close enough. So, yeah, so it's not far from from our own truth. Yes. I look at it as the next believable thought, right? That it it isn't, it can't be so far that it doesn't feel authentic to you. You you know, if you're a humble person, you're not going to be shooting from, you know, shouting from the rooftops that you are (laughs) the greatest thing that's ever happened, but that you might be able (laughs) to say, well, you know, it's possible that I could get a really good job. Instead of saying, I'll never find a job. Mm, yes. You know, that there's there's something there that is a believable thought. Yes. And it sounds also like the extremes, right? This mm-hmm. idea of going always extreme. So what are, you, what are you suggesting is a balance, some sort of um, equilibrium, like the, the middle truth, perhaps, something in the middle. And I think that's really individual, right? Like you said, everyone has their place where they feel like something just, they get too far where it doesn't feel like truth anymore. And so it's understanding for yourself what could still feel like truth to you if there's something that's possible. The language that we use with growth mindset is really about possibility, opportunity, curiosity, and learning. It's really this higher vibrating energy around, you know, being... um, what's possible, right? It is. And so it's going to that edge before you feel like something isn't believable. Mm, yes. for you. And that's different for everyone. Like you said before, right? What What's easy for you may be hard for somebody else, but vice versa, you want to find what works for you. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love your message and I, I love what's possible. The question I remember interviewing somebody. She's a a coach from, let's see, Excess Consciousness. I think that's the name Mm, of the mm -hmm. program. And she used to say that all the time. I interviewed her two or three times. She would say, what else is possible? She Mm -hmm. even wrote in her email to me every every time, like at the end, what else is possible? Like very open. (laughs) Like, oh, and then, I mean, it really gets you going, you know, at that level of um, imagination or visual 
just visualizing what's possible, what else possible from here. So it's a wonderful thing. I love that, Heidi, the, uh, the growth mindset from this perspective. It sounds mm. very, uh, very open, very magical in a way. And I didn't want to use the word magic it has to do with mystical stuff, but it does. It's almost like tapping into a reality that is, it's uncreated. So it is tapping into creativity, isn't it? Mm. For sure. It's creating a new reality for you. Yeah, that's, that's very spiritual. <laughs> From my perspective, mm-hmm. sounds very spiritual. So I want to thank you for what you do. Yeah, it's such a wonderful suggestion, you see, because I see everything as inspiration. Like this is a, a wonderful way to inspire other people to get away from that fixed mindset. Oh, mm-hmm. not even, you know, from that perspective, but just what else is possible? What's possible? Mm-hmm. That's just a question that's, it, it changes everything. It could change everything. It, it has been my experience as well. Mm-hmm. For me as well, it definitely has changed everything. And and again, excuse me, like you said earlier, you know, I'm I'm about logical and practical too, and really coming up with some of the ways that can be, as I shared earlier, some really practical tips to be able to implement this, where it doesn't have to feel that it's so incredibly out of reach or challenging to change the way you think. Yes, right. Oh my God, and I really appreciate that myself mm. for being. I would say highly sensitive, although I, mm. I try not to label, put too many labels. Yeah. But yes, that has helped me a lot to keep, um, I guess, not because of fear of feelings, but because not necessary. It mm-hmm. was just overwhelming to feel too much in everything. Mm-hmm. So we're almost at the end. I want to mention that I also love what we mentioned, we talked about earlier in the, in the beginning of the conversation, I believe, about the growth mindset You say in your article, you say, remember, building a growth mindset is a continuous process. So that I had to have here to the very end, because we, this is an important message too, in a sense that to be kind and to be gentle with ourselves, not try to rush or get somewhere too fast, because it it doesn't really, it's sometimes just not the best way to do it, one, and it's, it's a lot more fun to Mm -hmm. go one step at a time, as you mentioned clearly and beautifully earlier about the baby steps. I love the courage baby steps. That's just beautiful. I guess I'm going to change the title of the episode. (laughs) I might change it. (laughs) Um, So would you like to add anything, Heidi, that you left unsaid or anything else? I I think you covered everything. I do want to, you know, reiterate what you just said about having grace for yourself. I think through any process where we're evolving and changing, especially when something doesn't happen overnight and there may be setbacks and you may feel like you, you know, you make progress and then it feels like you're, you've gone back. I, I think it's so critical to recognize that um, it's really important work and that we need to be kind to ourselves as we go through the process. Mm, yes, a billion times to that. <laughs> Another mm-hmm. practice of mine. <laughs> So I have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. I guess I'll ask this one. What do you love most about being a human these days? Oh, goodness. It's an open question. Yes, I know. <laughs> um, you know, what I love most, I would say for me, I've, I've really started doing a lot more work for myself around better understanding and experiencing my own emotions and learning how to feel and process them. And so 
again, not always easy, um, but it's it's been a really helpful way for me to be able to articulate what's happening for myself. So that's been an interesting journey. And I'm loving that part of being human because we get to experience many different emotions. <laughs> oh, yes. Some positive, some don't always feel so great. Yeah. Yes, right. Yes, that's an interesting one. I mean, a powerful one too. Powerful and empowering practice. And then my last question that I usually ask everyone, what three experiences you wish everyone to have before they die, before they lose the body? Oh, yes. This one is a deep question, right? And that um, I guess experiences of really truly getting to know who we are and what it is that we want in this world. As I mentioned earlier, it's I spent much of my life living based on what I thought other people wanted. So really knowing who we are and what it is that we do want and living for ourselves. Um, I would say it is, um, it's, it's making, making peace with whatever it is in our, our own uh, lives that, that help us feel like we were talking about before, inner peace and ease and doing that work so that we can feel that inner peace and ease. Um, and I would say it is, um, you know, at, at, at our deathbeds, we don't say, I wish I worked more. We say, I wish I spent more time with the people I loved. Um, it's really making the time for the people that are most important to us. And so um, having that experience of truly knowing the people that we we have in our lives. Yes. Wow. That's beautiful. Thank you so much again for your presence in our reality, for sharing timeless wisdom, as I usually call these things. It just sounds very much like it. we can hear this, I don't know, a million years from now. It's, it still sounds true <laughs> mm-hmm. to the heart. Thank you so much for being you, Heidi. Thank you. No, thank you so much for offering this space. Before we say goodbye for today, where's the best place to find more information about you and what you do? So you can find me at uh, Kogan, K-O-G-O-N, coaching.com, um, my website. I also have presence on uh, LinkedIn, and that's um, you know Heidi Siegel Kogan at LinkedIn or on Instagram. You'll find Heidi Siegel Kogan on Instagram. Wonderful. I'll have your website link on the podcast profile. Your social links, are they on your website as well? Or should I have them? That's a good question. You think I should know that. (laughs) Um, I don't think they actually are on my website. So I can provide those to you if you'd like to put them on the show notes. Yeah. Okay. I'll have the LinkedIn and the Instagram as well. Thank you so much again, Heidi. And we'll talk soon. Bye for now. Sounds good. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Heidi Siegel Kogan and her work, please visit kogancoaching.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.